Hey y'all, and welcome back to another episode of Faith and Friends. I'm your host, Georgia Brown, and I am so pumped because today we're going to have a really cool conversation. I know our podcast is called Faith and Friends, and so let's dive into friendship today. Let's talk about being a gal. Let's talk about being a young woman of Christ, and I'm so excited to do this with Andy Andrew. She is the author of She is Free, Fake or Follower, and her newest book, which just came out this past week. Friendship, it's complicated. It's so good. I've already read a few chapters, y'all, and I can tell you firsthand, this is such an important book for such a time as this. She is also the founding pastor of Liberty Church, a multi-site church she pioneered with her husband, Paul, in 2010. Currently, she is just focusing on raising her sweet babies and, of course, writing books and hosting her podcast, Coffee with Andy, building Liberty Church and traveling all for such a time as this in this crazy world. Andy, hey girl. Hi. Oh my gosh, you make me want to say y'all. Like I just want to be the same with that cute voice that you have. I love you. You're so amazing. I love you. I wish I had your hair. Y'all can't see, but her hair is literally just so perfect. And she said that her sweet daddy (laughs) likes her hair natural. And I just love that. You you took that to heart and you're like, oh, I'm just going to rest in that. Going with the curls, you know? That's right. (laughs) Little hair flipping all. <laughs> okay, Andy, I just am so grateful to know you. Like, I just think this book and who you are is so beautiful. And as I started this book, like, my goodness, you were so honest and just transparent, but you, your words were filled with so much grace that I thought that as I was going to start this, it says friendship, it's complicated. Yeah. I thought it was just going to be like, oh my gosh, friends are hard. Yeehaw. <laughs> like, let's, let's go. Let's step one, two, three. But you brought us back to the beginning. Yeah. And you brought up something that I don't think is talked about enough. Mm-hmm. We always are focusing on the father wound. Yeah. You know, we always are thinking, okay, our heavenly father's up here. That's how we relate to our earthly father. And yes, that is a thing. But you opened our eyes to the mother wound. Yeah. Yeah. I I would love to hear more about that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think for me, as I started to embark upon writing this book, I realized that I could not get past uh, the issues that I had with my mother and the things that were either unhealed or healed. And in my first book, She is Free, I talk about my relationship with my mom. We have a very reconciled relationship, but it was very broken while I was growing up. And so when I looked at the span of all of my relationships, my female friendships, I realized that that I was the common denominator in all of the issues that I was having. I was seeing some cyclical issues. And I would love to blame everybody else. It would, it just is a lot easier to be like, you know what? I can't believe they did that. I'm going to burn this like relationship to the ground or reject them before they (laughs) reject me. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then when I started to go, oh, wow, I am the one that is operating in codependency. I am the one that is carrying everybody else's issues. I, and I had to go back to move forward. So that's where I started. And I had to call my mom at one stage and be like, I have got to write very vulnerably and honestly about our story. Um, but I, I had this moment where I had faced a fresh rejection from a friend while I was embarking on writing this book. And I was in chapter one and I'm like, I am not getting anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I realized I still needed to heal some things with my mom. 
So this is where we start with a woman wound. And I had had this fresh rejection and I get on the phone with my mom and I, I was like, mom, like, I love you so much, but I feel like this is all your fault. And she's like, whoa, <laughs> super she's <like>, mature. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Good to like talk to you. And I said, listen, I, I just have realized that some of the cyclical issues in my relationships with women track back to when I was younger and the times when I was so small and you would, I would be your emotional mother and you would have me carry things that I was too ill-equipped to carry as a child and fast forward into my relationships today. And I'm still operating from a place of codependence in relationships with women carrying their stuff. And when I realize I'm not Jesus and it all falls apart, like, I don't know what to do with that. And do you know what she did in that moment? I thought she was going to say something really harsh or push back on me. And she just looks me in the eyes and says, Andy, you know what? You're right. And I am so sorry. Will you forgive me? I was boundaryless. And I start sobbing. Um, Like it was like deliverance took place in that phone call. And I said, mom, I feel like I need to write about our relationship in an honest way, but bring people into a place of healing, not a place of blame. Mm Cause, cause it doesn't help me to have these issues with women or with my mother and just blame her. There comes this time where we have to buck up, stand up and grow up and begin to face ourselves, face our issues with Jesus, walk in healing. Cause some people are never going to get a really a conversation with their mom. They're not going to be able to have that reconciliation conversation or relationship with them. They have to reconcile things with God, heal and move forward. But we do have to go back to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, not pitch a tent there so that we can go and sit at the table with our father that he's prepared for us in the presence of our enemies so that our enemies can go, oh, wow, God's on their side. That's And see, it's like we have to understand who our father is, who our daddy is, the table that we sit at. So we we go back to move forward. So that's why we start with the mother wound. We kind of like just start with the open heart surgery so we can move forward together in the book. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so important. And it got me thinking like you were so honest and I love that vulnerability breeds vulnerability. And as you Mm -hmm. just truly tear down those walls and use those boards to create a bigger table, you're like, come sit, join me. And I can just see you over dinner. Like as we were talking, it felt like you were just like, so this is my story. And then your mom even says a few mm-hmm. words in the opening pages. And y'all, I don't want to spoil nothing for you, but <laughs> it was so beautiful. And it takes so much humility mm-hmm. to go into these conversations. And so for the friend, for the girl out there that is like, I've never thought about this before, but I can see this in my own life. What would you suggest to the girl that doesn't have a relationship with her mother, but Mm. the girl that also does have a relationship with her mother? Yeah, I think it's both. And I think, I think both of those scenarios actually show the truth that we actually need each other and we need each other's stories. Mm. And so I would say to the woman who doesn't have a relationship with their mother, uh, that there's like these, these reflection points throughout that cause you to pause. Like, cause I throw so much, like I open heart surgery at you that you need to stop for a second. But I would say for the woman who doesn't have a relationship with her mother, whether she has passed away or it's not a safe relationship or your mother has cut you off, I don't know what it looks like. Um, that's the space where you actually have to go into a place and heal with Jesus Mm -hmm. and you need to forgive and actually let them go. I remember years ago, I had to get to a place with my own mother where I settled in my heart. You know, we may never have reconciliation. We may never get there, but I know that when I forgive, I'm letting her go and I'm being set free by that forgiveness. So it's an act of our will. You won't feel like it, but that's where you have to start. And then for those 
of you, those women out there that are listening that have this beautiful reconciled relationship with your mother, I would say, um, first of all, thank you for living the life that you're living with your mom, but share that with other people. Mm -hmm. Um, Share how you've walked that journey out. And also maybe you can share your mother with some women. (laughs) Like we, we all need, I know that sounds crazy, but we all need mothers in the faith. Maybe it's time for you to step up and be a mother in the faith. Maybe it's time for you to bring other women in that have had brokenness so they can see what it is to have a true mother in the faith that can love them. I know the mothers in the faith for me have been so healing. And so Mm -hmm. I think that those are the two roads that I would say, um, depending on what scenario you find yourself in. Oh, that's all so good. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. And so I know this is something my parents have always told me is that, you know, they want to do more and better for their kids than their parents did. And so just taking that on, what are some ways for you as a mama now, seeing where you've been, reconciling, healing, and wanting to do better for your girls and your girls in your life that are yours and also God girls, you know, Yeah. how, how would you move forward in loving them like Jesus and less like the patterns of what mm-hmm. you saw? Yeah. I think one of the, the first things I would say is we have to learn the power of going first. A lot of times what we want is we want somebody else to go first. We want someone else to fix it for us. Um, my mentor and mother in the faith, Maria Durso, she uh, honestly had so many broken relationships. Her mom died while she was in childbirth, never mm-hmm. had a mother. When she got saved, she had no mentors in the faith, but that woman goes first and is a mother in the faith. So I would say, maybe you feel like you're waiting for somebody else to mentor you, but I would say there are many women that are looking to you and want what you have. So I would say as a mother in the faith or to a mother of your own children, don't sit too long in the pain of what you don't have. Allow yourself to walk in healing with Jesus and begin to give away what you do have in him. I think with my own children, um, sons and daughters, uh, daughter, I have one daughter, three sons, but um, (laughs) the biggest thing I have learned um, is to get good at apologizing, not letting my kids carry my issues. So there are a lot of times when I will notice my kids who have codependent tendencies who would love to fix things for me or carry them for me. Um, I will watch if I'm having a bad day or I screw it all up and I'm not a great mom because those days are like all the time because I'm a human being is getting good at apologizing, but also not allowing my children to fix my issues for me. So, hey, saying to them literally, hey, that's not for you to fix. That's not for you to carry. Let mom go alone and be with Jesus to, to deal with her heart. And so I think those are the two things that I think of is like breaking cycles of, um, first of all, not being a victim to our circumstance is choosing to go first and also not allowing other people to carry things for us that literally is a a burden for Jesus to carry. And Mm -hmm. so not allowing people to do that, whether that's our children or people around us and doing the work with God to walk in wholeness. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful and excites me. I someday cannot wait to be a mom and it just is so (laughs) fun. But for right now, I'm just the good babysitter. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. These are all so important Mm -hmm. to to keep in mind. And that takes such a posture of humility once again to be like, hey, this is for Jesus. This is Mm -hmm. not for you. And their little hearts, it's like they can breathe. Yeah. And you give them that permission. Yes. And so that's that's huge. Yeah. Oh, so inspired. <laughs> and all of this bleeds into friendships. Oh, it does. Any and relationship. So, or that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when it comes to like friendship with girls and women, mm-hmm. 
I think there's a difference between a friendship with a girl and friendship with a woman. Because when I was a girl, whoo, that's hard. So much jealousy, comparison, all of yeah. those things. But then you give your life to Jesus and mm-hmm. it's still like the enemy tries, but yeah. he's defeated. But yeah. a, a friendship with a woman and young women, it's, it's more fruitful as you just yeah. continue to seek him. But how can you do this well? Because I'm yeah. still learning. Whew. Yeah. And I think we are till the day we breathe our last because we all have wounding and lies that we believe and then these belief systems that we walk in. So that's where we do have to deal with the wounding, find the truth in Christ, be healed and shift our belief systems, Romans 12, right? So we have to get good at doing that. But I would say uh, when it comes to getting better at this, I, I say this in the book, but relationships um, form us and they inform us. Mm-hmm. So your relationships form you and inform you and relationships of the female kind are totally in a league of their own, at least for for me, that's been my story. And I think many of us have said that are listening, we've said things like, you know, guys are just less complicated. Like girls can be so complex and blah, blah, blah. So we have to get good at dealing with our belief systems and the looking at how relationships has have formed us and informed us. So that's the healing part that we have to bring to the table. We also have to get good at not self-preserving. So since the fall in the garden, we all have this tendency to self-preserve to take care of ourselves, but we have to choose not to. Um, self-preservation, I say this as well, is willfully choosing the pain of isolation over the potential of messy, godly connection. So it's a mess. When you mm-hmm. connect with other humans, it just, it's like there is, so you can either isolate yourself, self-protect, because we all know we can even be in a crowd. We can be at a discipleship group. We can be in church. We can be at a meal and we can still be self-preserving. So you have to choose not to do that. My friend, Irene Rollins says, uh, be authentic with the many and vulnerable with the few. You also have to be wise of who you're going to be vulnerable with and share your heart with. Um, because not everybody gets to have that space and that's okay too. And even Jesus had his circles, the three, the 12, the 72 and the multitudes. He had three that he was vulnerable with and showed all of the spaces to his heart with. Uh, well, I mean, really that was with the father and the Holy spirit that they got all of him. But then he had his three very close friends, the 12 that he was on mission with the 72 that he sent out and the multitudes that he was just around. So we have to be aware of those different things. And that's one of my favorite chapters in the book is it's called circles. No, everyone cannot and should not be our best friend. And there's this whole graph in there where we evaluate the truth of our relationships by emulating and following Jesus in that. So I know I just threw a lot at you, but those are some ways that we can continue to cultivate healthy relationships. Yes, it starts with us and our, our, our wholeness, our mindsets, walking through that, but also we bring ourselves to the table. So how are we going to cultivate those things well? No, that's all so good. Thank you for sharing all that. I can't wait to get to that chapter. <laughs> I'm sitting here going, I haven't gotten to that chapter that's yet. Okay. Oh my goodness. Oh, I'm excited. And so when it comes to these circles, which I agree, mm-hmm. they're so darn important. And I think it took me a long time to get to that point where yeah. I'm seeing because you grow up and you think, oh, I need to have all the friends. Everyone on the playground yeah. needs to like me. Like, I just want to be liked. <laughs> like, okay, good. I wasn't alone in that. And so that's just how it was. But it's truly quality over quantity. And Jesus so beautifully modeled this. He mm-hmm. modeled everything that we need. Yes. So we need to stop looking to the world so much. My gosh. Mm-hmm. Like, he's so much better than the Kardashians or whatever media <laughs> you're intake in, which I don't even know why that was the first thing that came to hey, mind because I've never watched is. that. I don't know. Me either, but I have a lot of friends that do. 
You're like, so got to understand all the pop culture references. Yeah. (laughs) When it comes to our Jesus references, you're right. Mm. He talks about the three and the 12. And so as we kind of take a step back and evaluate our lives and evaluate our circles, because we Mm -hmm. can't be everything to everybody. And again, comes back to humility to realize, hey, this is not my stuff to carry. Mm -hmm. How can we prayerfully evaluate this and be like, okay, this is a friendship I need to go deeper in, or this is a friendship that maybe I can't. Because I have so many girls in my life that are like, I just want godly friendships. And it's like, well, where do you look? Sometimes at church is not where you're going to find the best ones sometimes even. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, I've got some beautiful friends that are in my neighborhood that are parents of my kids, you know? And so I think you're right. The evaluation there comes from, yes, going and looking at Jesus first and how he emulated that. What did his relationships with the three look like? What did his relationships with the 12 look like? What did his relationships with the 72, which the 72 really in our day and age is the community of believers that we worship with, that we're on you know, mission with. And then there are the people you rub shoulders with that are going to be the multitudes of people in your life. I think for me, some of the things that I look for in say those three, when it comes to the three, there's reciprocity. Uh, meaning that I'm not just constantly pouring out, they're pouring out too. There's a there's a, a reciprocal pouring into one another. We are there for one another. Uh, we I am vulnerable with those people. They see the ugliest parts of me. I choose to be accountable with those people. Uh, with the 12, I look around and I go, I could tell you uh, those people, it may be eight, it may not be 12, you know, whatever. But those are the people that I am genuinely rubbing shoulders with and we're on mission together. We're following Jesus together. We are preaching the gospel together. We are releasing the kingdom together. And um, I think we have to be aware of what those things are. But I, I think for me, I had to get really good at the three. Um, when I communicate or preach or even write, I think there is this tendency that I have felt like, oh, I need to, I need to be all things to all men for all people all the time. And that was killing me. Literally five years ago, I went through this crash when it came to relationships. And I, it was totally, again, I was the common denominator. And I went, wow, I am letting too many people in. I'm trying to pour out too much and I've got to scale back and have boundaries. So what we've got to get good at too is letting people know. Some people would be like, can I have coffee with you? Can I have a meal with you? Can I? And I would have to say, here's the reality of my life. I've got a couple of close friends. I am pouring into a staff of people. I've got four children that are my first priority. And so really the reality is I may not be able to have coffee with you until three months from now. Is that still something you want to do? So it actually puts into perspective the reality of my life. Not that I don't want to, but I, we're not going to be best friends, but I would be able to have a coffee with you. So I think we've got to get good at defining the relationship. We've got to get good at boundaries. We've got to get good at not unspoken expectations, but spoken expectations. So if people are wanting you to meet a certain need in their life, they understand, hey, I'm not able to do that, but I am able to sit with you. That's what I can give you. And so I think we've got to get good at those things. Yeah, we do. And you know what? I don't know if anybody else needed that. Maybe <laughs> this was just for me. But I I just am so grateful you said that because sometimes I feel so bad because I'm like, I look at my calendar and I'm like, like 
you are a wife and a mom and all this stuff. But mm-hmm. even for me, I'm like, I don't have enough time in a day no. to meet with everybody. And then I'm like, hey, can you meet me next month? And then I, I feel guilty for that. But mm. like you said, like, and I know I can't be everything to everybody, but even just that one meeting, it's like, the reality is, no, we're not going to be best friends, but That's I okay. want to be best friends. I do. <laughs> but I, I just want to be friends with everybody, which is good. You can be, you know, this God family of friends, yes. but not everybody can. This is what one of my actual like close three, she said to me, she said, a lot of people like what you carry, but not everybody can carry it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right. And so what does it look like with these relationships that you want to cultivate and take care of? What does Mm -hmm. it look like to have good boundaries? Because I don't think we talk about that enough. No, we don't. And I think um, good boundaries. So even one of my closest people is a roommate. She lives with us too. And yeah, so she's like a little sister to me and, um, and she is very safe and I'm very safe for her. But there have even been times where in our own relationship, living in the same house where I have had to say, hey, here's what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to talk about this with you but I don't have the emotional capacity right now to, to hear this because I've been pouring out. So can we, can we make a time and do that tomorrow? Or can I give you a call tomorrow when I just, I have had my morning with Jesus. I am filled back up and I'm ready to give you something. And I think we have to be again, self-aware and the, that's where the boundaries come from is going, I actually am willing to do this right now, but I'm unwilling to do this. And so I think that's where boundaries come in. So another thing that we do is I realized one of my other close friends in my circle, best friend for 20 plus years, literally we've, I've known her longer than my husband. We've walked through a lot together. Um, and we weren't seeing each other enough to cultivate our friendship. And so I said, okay, let's do family dinner every Monday night. So on the calendar, Mm -hmm. you're coming over, you're sitting at the table with me and my kids and my husband and my, my father-in-law and our roommate, which were the three of us are in a friend, like we are always together. Um, And, but that has helped us to be intentional and cultivate time together. And so I just think it's little things like that. We just have to be intentional, set up time, say what we're willing to do, what we're unwilling to do, what we have to give, what we don't have to give. We just have to get better, honestly, at communicating, communicating Mm -hmm. our needs and communicating what we can and can't give. And I think that just easily establishes boundaries and stops any codependencies as well that could show up in a relationship. (laughs) No, that's so good. And when it comes to this too, I'm not in this season, but when it comes to friendships with women and then being married, are there some like things that shift? Like, could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think that's really a great conversation to have. Um, so two of my closest friends are unmarried. One of them is married, um, and married without kids. So I'm the only one that has got like crazy town with four children. Love it. And what is good is yes, those things definitely shift, but again, communication is key. Mm -hmm. So I would say even like the best friend that I was talking about of 20 plus years, I'm her person. She's not married. She's the same age as me, doesn't have kids. And when she walks through something, It's me. But at times I even have to tell her again, like I've got this thing going on with my kids and my husband. I don't have the emotional capacity for this, but you can come and be in our home if you need to stay the night for a few nights, just be around us. So, so what we have to do is yes, that definitely does shift and it shifted with some of my single friends, but again, it doesn't have to stop the friendship. Mm -hmm. And that has been, but it, 
what it takes is in that shifting and that change is it takes more intentionality Mm. Uh, because otherwise that friendship can easily ebb away and become something where you say, well, we don't have anything in common anymore. Well, who says just because you have a husband and kids doesn't mean there's no commonality. You have to, you have to reinforce the commonality. So it just is going to take more intentional time and focus uh, to continue to build that relationship as it changes because it will change. No, that's so good. We just have to be intentional and it comes mm-hmm. with, I just see such humility and beauty on you. I just, I just Aww. love it. Like it's, Thank it's you. just amazing and so inspiring. Oh, and so what are some of these intentional measures? What have you done to love your, love your people? Well, yeah, I love that. I think uh, it's funny that I have a whole chapter on this, but one of the things I actually have to do is first inside of my own brain and head is I have to, I, I call it breaking up with drama, but it's, it's the, the cyclical thinking, the drama we create in our head and um, the drama that we find around us. And I, I know that sounds interesting to being intentional, but if we don't do that, what we do is we go into these weird internal spirals in our thought life, and then we stop ourselves from even stepping out and creating connection with our friends. So, because what we can do is be like, well, they don't want to hang out with me or why haven't they called or why haven't they? It's like, oh, don't be weird. Like, just be the person to text them. You think about them text them. If they're not texting you back and you're frustrated with them, have a conversation conversation to say, hey, I feel like I'm the one pouring into all of this relationship right now. Here's my needs right now as a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, are you able to meet those? Then I would say um, to really love our friends well, like some of my friends are high physical touch and gifts. And I'm like, I am not high physical touch or gifts when it comes to the five love languages. Yeah. <laughs> I am like, for me, my love languages are... Um, our acts of service. I'm like, you clean my house, you, you know, do something to organize something. If you make a meal, I know you love me. So like, we have to be intentional with my close friends to go, Oh, you want to be hugged all the time. Okay. I'm going to do that for you. You want me to like spontaneously send you a gift. And that means that I love you. Like treasure your friends the way they need to be treasured, not the way you want to be treasured. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I would say again, like if you can with, with those specific three, four, five, whatever your, your circle of friends who get to see all of you is, I would say be intentional with them. Um, Whether that is like a meal a month or whatever your calendar can hold, do those things because Um, you will find in your darkest hour on your hardest day in the months where you really need someone, they're genuinely going to be there for you because there's money in the bank from just the simplicity of doing life together. So those are like a few simple things. There's a lot more obviously in the book, but yeah, those are the ones that come to mind as we're chatting today. No, those are so good. And I got to just ask you, I was talking with one of my friends yesterday and just sitting over lunch. And let me tell you, first of all, we were ordering food and we both ordered this thing that we really wanted. And then Mm -hmm. the waitress was like, I'm sorry, we're all out of that. And we were like, rude. We were like, sad. So then you have to go back to the menu and like (laughs) reevaluate. Ended up getting breakfast, which is fun. Love that. Mm -hmm. But we get talking and, you know, just talking about these friendships. And I didn't really know like how to fully talk about this. And she was like, I just feel like I'm too much for my friends. And Mm. I was like, just trying to affirm her. I'm like, no, no, no. Like you're so amazing and so loved. And I love who God's created you to be. Like, don't be afraid. But what about the friend that feels like she's too much and she's afraid to open up to people? But what if those people aren't loving her like she deserves? What would you say to that sweet friend? 
Well, if that friend said to me, I feel like I'm too much, I would first ask them, tell me more about that. What makes you feel like you're too much or think that you're too much? Um, Because I would, I would drill down on that because a lot of times that's our own lens through pain. Mm. So pain of where maybe in the past we've been too much for somebody else, or maybe they've never said you're too much, but we felt like we were. So we have to be careful that, and, and help that friend, draw that out of that friend uh, to kind of look at their, like drill down on their belief systems because their belief systems is, is informing their thought life and informing how they feel, therefore informing their behaviors. Mm-hmm. So so drill down on that a little bit. And then um, when you start to do that, you'll probably see from that friend what things um, that they really truly need healing from, from yeah. Jesus, or maybe they need to talk to somebody about that that can help them with those things. And then the other side of that would be, I, I would see from that friend uh, where they need to be vulnerable and go, hey, I'm going to be willing to share with a small group of friends. Hey, I have felt like I'm too much in these things. I'm willing to own this side of the, of the fence, but here's some needs that I have as a friend. Are you guys able to, to be there for me in these things or not? Because um, I think there's got to be ownership of why they feel that way, but then also they've got to put themselves out there and have communication with people that they want to begin to trust or build a relationship with to say, Hey, can we walk this out together? So there's two sides to that. So that's probably, probably what I would say. We are all alone with our own thought life. Mm-hmm. And I think at many stages throughout all of our lives, we have felt like too much because we know what we're walking through in our own head and heart. Yeah. And so we've got to really deal with those and be able to speak those things out clearly to be able to confront them. And maybe that's all that that friend needs to do is drill down on that. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's still so, so beautiful. And we just had the best time yesterday and I just, I loved it. And we got down to the root of it saying, maybe there's some people we got to forgive from our past there. because, mm-hmm. and you know, oh, I'm connecting the dots. I was reading your book. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> Makes sense. See, I love God works all things together for our good, for his glory. And yeah. I just read about you and your mama and it all comes back to our childhood. It all comes back to those first formative years mm-hmm. where we're learning a new language, learning how to walk, talk. Yeah. What, what is culture, you know? And so, wow. So beautiful. Yeah. And so I just, I thank you so much. You're just so Mm. awesome. And so you are up in New York. So any friends that are up in New York, tell us where they can come see your beautiful church with your husband and your family. Yeah. So we founded a church, gosh, about 11 years ago now. It's called Liberty Church. So you just look it up, libertychurch.com. And we, at the moment, we have a community in downtown Brooklyn, one in um, Soho in Manhattan, right off the Broadway Lafayette stop on Broadway there. And then we've got house churches in the Upper West Side and in the Heights. And so we've got um, many places in New York City that you connect and a few communities outside of New York as well in St. Pete, Florida, in London, in Eswatini, Manzini um, in Southern Africa. So there are different places where you could connect with us. And we are like our house is open, our church is open, um, and people are starting to come back in. But yeah, that's where they could connect if they, they're looking for a community of believers here in New York um, or beyond. That's yes. where we are located. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And y'all, yeah. you need to check out this book. I know this podcast episode is just scratching the surface. Mm-hmm. And so, Andy, where can they find friendship? Yeah. It's complicated. Yeah. So it is 
it's sold anywhere books are sold. So you can go on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, any of those places uh, into bookstores uh, as soon as it's out there. Um, actually, it's out there when they're listening yes, to this, which is exciting. There. It's out there. And also you can just go to andyandrew.com and find kind of all things that I've got, like resources, free resources, all the stuff that's on there. So my name is spelled Andy with an I. And my last name is Andrew with no S on the end. So andyandrew.com. A lot of times people look up Andy with a Y, Andrews with an S. And that is a male author and speaker, which is really kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) That really is. Yeah. (laughs) Quite the opposite. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, but I love your name. It just sounds like, I I feel like you could be a country singer or something. Oh, thank you. That's because you're down in the Franklin, Nashville area. So Andy, Andrew, here I come, y'all. You could say y'all. You could say y'all. I could. I could. <laughs> Perfect. And okay, how can everyone connect with you on socials too? Because you're just so mm-hmm. fun. Thank you. Yeah, my social is the same. All my handles are at Andy Andrew. So I got in early. <laughs> right? <laughs> Which was, yeah. So yeah, whether that's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that's where you're going to find me. Oh. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being so honest and transparent and just filled with so much grace and truth when ta- tackling these conversations. I'm so looking forward to finishing your book. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Georgia. You are seriously a light. It is so fun being with you. <laughs> God bless you. Have a great week. Y'all go get Andy's book. It's available now anywhere books are sold. And don't forget, there's a song on your heart only you can sing. I'll see you next week. Your voice is important.